Thanks for joining us here in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. Good morning. Welcome to Crossroads Church. And uh, as a pastor, it's scary to get up after worship like that and preach because you might just ruin it. But I heard a story about another young pastor who had just graduated seminary, had been called to a church in Nebraska, sight unseen. They were desperate. And so he shows up in the middle of a snowstorm, much like we had earlier this week, but it was Nebraska. It was worse. 36 inches of snow. He shows up that Sunday morning, and it's only him and one other guy. And so he, uh, they, they sit around and wait for the time for it to start. And, and so it's starting time, and he goes, well, he goes, uh, he goes, I don't know about you, but he goes, this is my first sermon I'm going to preach, and um, I'd, I'd like to preach it. Would that be all right with you? And gentleman said, well, I'm not a preacher. He says, I'm a rancher. He said, but you know what? If uh, only one cow showed up when I went out to feed him, I'd feed that cow. Well, that young preacher got up there and he preached for 90 minutes. He just unloaded everything he had in his bucket. When he was done, he went back and he stood by the door, kind of awkward. Rancher comes by the door and he says, uh, I know this is an awkward question to ask. He says, but how'd I do? What'd you think? <laughs> and the rancher says, well, I'm not a preacher. I'm a rancher, but uh, here's what I, I know, that if uh, I took a wagon load out to feed the, the herd of cattle and only one showed up, I wouldn't have given the whole wagon load. <laughs> and yet here is the whole herd today. So you guys are getting the wagon load, all right? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for all that you do, who you are, and God, that you are working in a powerful way in each of our lives. I pray that the hearts here today would be surrendered, they would hear, they would be inspired to make a difference in their community. We love you and we praise you and we ask that you be glorified in all that happens this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are in the final week of Back to the Basics. Uh, I love preaching in series, and I hate when I get to the end. It's like getting to the end of a good book. Um, I look forward to the next series, but I'm, I'm hanging on and I'm savoring. So one more time, I want to go through this uh, the Bible verse for this series, which is Colossians 2.6. I'm going to lead you in it. If you would just uh, uh, repeat it back to me as I um, lead you. So. It says, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him. Let's say that one more time. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him. See, that is what the Christian faith is all about. It, it's, it's good that we get saved. All right? I mean, you know, like that's what matters the most. 
But once we're saved, we don't stay there. We go out and we live in Christ, and Christ lives through us. And so that's what this whole series has been all about. And, and each week I introduced you to a new topic. The first week was prayer. And what I tried to convince you is that prayer isn't something that we do, but it's a way of life. Prayer is a way of life for Christ followers. Prayer is something that we should do every day. You have the creator of the universe on the other end of the phone. All you've got to do is pick it up and call. Week number two was about scripture. And I told you that the Bible was written to change our lives, not just to increase our knowledge. During this series on one Saturday, we had a chance to walk through the Old Testament. I don't know if you all remember that, but uh, you remember creation and then the fall and then the flood and I'll stop there. <laughs> but if you look at your hot sheets, you'll notice that at the very bottom on March 5th, there is New Testament alive. Um, this is over at First Baptist O'Fallon, and it's $10. If you scan that little QR code right there, this is how you sign up um, to get your uh, uh, ticket to go. Um, so I would encourage you, uh, join a group of us uh, from Crossroads as we travel all the way to O'Fallon and uh, walk through the New Testament. It starts at 9 a.m. It's over at 12 sharp. And then uh, we're going to invite a group over to uh, have lunch with us. And then, uh, if hey, if you don't want to do that, uh, you're right there. Fairview Heights, uh, the mall, all kinds of other restaurants. Uh, the third week, I talked about confession. And confession is not easy, is it? But it's powerful. Something that we have to do. And, and confession gives us the ability to live in Christ. Confession keeps us from telling our friends, that we're a Christian. Confession keeps us from reading our Bible. Confession keeps us from praying. But it's when we learn to confess our sins, when we go to God and we accept the grace that He gives. Because the enemy tells us, see, that's the 152nd time you've done that this month. That's what the enemy says. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that the devil is, he's called the accuser. Not only does he accuse you before God, but he accuses you in your own mind. And you listen to him. And you forget the message of grace. And you forget what Jesus did on Calvary. And then last week I talked about service. And I, I hope, I, if you, you didn't learn anything else last week, you learned this, that we are not saved by good works. We are saved to do good works. Our mission as Christ followers is to see a need and make a difference. To see something say, I can do that. I can, do, I can fill that need. I can help that person out. That's what we are called to as Christ followers. Well, this week I want to bring it all together. How talk about those four things, but I, I want to put it into one lump sum. And, and if you have the cards out there, I'm going to be show, talking about the uh, right side of that card today. So I would encourage you, grab it. If there's one in front of you not being used, it's yours. Pick it up. 
All right, so everybody could have or should have one of these. Um, but I would like you to join me in turning in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I'm going to read through this chapter and then I'm going to share with you a little bit about what I think that in a nutshell, 2 Timothy chapter 3 says. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1 um, I want you to know that if you look underneath the, the seat in front of you or one uh, to the right or left, there are Bibles there. If you don't have a Bible with you today, um, matter of fact, if you don't own a copy of God's Word, open that up and in the front cover, there's a message for you. And it, and it encourages you to make that copy yours. Put your name in it. Take it home with you. That's how important we here at Crossroads Church believe that it is for people to have the Word of God and have it available to them. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. Now, a lot of times we read last days and we're thinking, well, when does that start? It started when this was written. It's still going on today. See if you recognize any of this. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And I want you to understand something. It's not talking about your neighbors. It's not talking about the people you encounter at Walmart. It's talking about the people in the church. Because verse 5, it says, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins, and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janes and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as it was to those very two men. You, however, have followed my teaching. My conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. If you look on the back of the card, you'll notice that there's three circles there, and each circle represents something in the Christian life that we all need and must have. The first one is God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit. When we are saved, the Bible says that we are quickened and that the Holy Spirit is now a part of our life. But the problem is that we can live in such a manner that we quench the Holy Spirit. We don't lose it, we lose His effect. We lose His power. We lose the ability that comes from having the Holy Spirit be a part of our life. 
And I dare say that most Christians walk through life every day powerless when it comes to the Holy Spirit. The second circle there represents God's Word. You saw in that chapter as I read, it says that they, they try to get knowledge and yet it's not enough. And it concludes with saying that the Word of God is what's powerful. The Word of God is what makes us complete, what prepares us to be able to do those good works that we were saved for. And then the other group is God's people. I cannot overemphasize how important the church is to our walk with Christ. But here's what happens. We have access to the Holy Spirit, and yet we quench it. We have access to God's Word, and yet we deny it or we change it. We have access to God's people, and yet some of the people aren't very godly. What do we do? How do we reconcile that? Well, what I want to do is I want to show you that when you have God's Spirit and it's active in your life, when you're engaged in God's Word, and when you're engaged with God's people, not imposters, but God's people, right where all those three connect is where you'll find God's will. I think that every one of us that calls ourselves a Christ follower want to know what is it that God wants us to do. Because if we knew what that was, we do it. Now, those are easy words to say. They're hard words to live out. Because many times, God's will isn't glamorous. God's will isn't what we want of our lives. It's not the job that we chose. And there's one verse that stood out in 2 Timothy 3. It was verse 5. And it says, Having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. You see, churches all across America are filled with people sitting in the chairs that have the appearance of godliness, but they deny the power that comes with that. And this is what Timothy was told by Paul, avoid such people. Tough medicine. But here's what happens. When you have God's Spirit and you have God's Word and you leave out God's people, you have a theology that I call Lone Ranger theology. Matter of fact, I would tell you this, that Lone Ranger theology looks like this. You risk for Jesus in secret. Matter of fact, if I were you, I would be writing notes down on the back of that card and there where you see uh, God's Spirit and God's Word overlap right, right in there, Lone Ranger. And then I would draw a line outside of that and, and I would write these words, risk for Jesus in secret. Because here's what happens. You have experienced what it is to have the Holy Spirit in your life. You've experienced that high of, of worship where you could reach out and touch Jesus. And yet, because when you leave that worship, you leave God's people behind, and you stay in God's Word, what happens is you begin to celebrate your Christianity in secret. 
your special forces. You don't want anybody to know what team you're on. Matter of fact, if you were at work and they tried to indict you for being a Christian, nobody would bring charges against you. That is what's going on all across America. That is what, that's the problem with America is because the people in the church aren't willing to live out their faith. That's why, you know, I've heard to say, say, said so many times, you can't legislate morality. My goodness, that's all they do. The problem is the morality that they legislate isn't the morality that we want to live by. They legalize all kinds of things. They've made legal murder. And when we get away from the people of God and we practice that Lone Ranger mindset, we live with secret sin. Well, what happens when you combine God's word with God's people? Well, there you create either what we call cliques or cults, depending on how deep you went in. We joke about drinking the Kool-Aid because that's what they did down south back in the 70s. But the reality is that when we lose God's spirit and we focus on God's word, and we focus on being around God's people, we create the very thing that we all probably despise. And I would call this comfort zone Christianity. We're comfortable right there. These are people that I like. These are people I would go out and have a meal with. These are people who treat me nicely. These are people who agree with me when it comes to politics. These are people who make me comfortable to be around them. But folks, that's not what God has called us to do. It's hard to win people to the Lord when they've already been won to the Lord. And there's only two things that you can't do once you get saved. And there's only two things we won't be able to do when we get into heaven. And that is we won't be able to sin. And we won't be able to help anyone else come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. We're here to tell other people about Jesus. Well, what happens when you can put God's Spirit and God's people together, God's Word? You get what I call the fan club. You get a group of people that say yes. They say yes to everything and show up for nothing. They agree with you. They want to support it. But for them, there are no roots because it's not based in truth. It's based in feeling. One of the things that you all miss when you come in on Sundays, and um, you've heard us say this, that we're not just a church on Sunday, but we're a church every day of the week. Yesterday, uh, Casa had a daddy-daughter dance here right where you're sitting. Uh, I'm not going to point anyone out, but I saw some daddies with their daughters making themselves look foolish. <laughs> but that's what you do for princesses, and they were doing that. They were loving on them. This week, our church is going to be very busy. Wednesday night, we'll have a grief share. 
Thursday or Friday night, our men are getting together and going to Flora for a, a men's event, a men's dinner. Saturday, we have a men's breakfast. And then Sunday, we'll be back here. It's a busy week in our church. And you don't get to hear all the stories that happen on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. We try. We, we come up here and we do victory laps. We try to tell you about all the exciting things that are going on, but we can never do it justice. And so today what I wanted to do is I wanted to slow down a little bit and I wanted you to hear some of the stories about what has been going on in Crossroads Church and not church corporately, but church in individual lives. Because as individual lives change, families change. And as families change, our church changes. So I've got a couple that I'm going to invite up here and I'm going to uh, let you hear from them as they share with us what God has been doing in their life. So uh, Josh Tellison, if you'll come on up here. Um, Josh was one of those dads that was making a fool of himself. I came in and he just stopped. He just, uh, no, that's not true. Um, He's got two beautiful daughters. You've seen one up here with our praise uh, team. She'll be up here next week when we uh, celebrate baptisms again. And um, so Josh, what has been going on in your life over the last, and now now understand this guys, I've given them all a three minute time limit. (laughs) Josh, it takes him three minutes to yawn. Yeah. All right. Um, but tonight, uh, they are going to share the rest of the story. But I want you to hear a little bit about from each of them before we have our night of worship tonight, where they get to really tell you the rest of the story. So, Josh, what's been going on over the last couple of years? Yeah. So, I grew up in church. Um, I knew right from wrong. I knew who Jesus was. I knew what sinning was. Uh, From my teenage years to about 30 years of age, I chose the life of sin. Um, Filth coming out of my mouth with no regard who heard it. Uh, Immorality at an all-time high. Um, Really never thinking about what God thought about me. Um, But then one night, my daughter, Harlow, who we all know for the most part, (laughs) prayed for our dinner one night. And uh, it, it changed me forever. Um, God started to show me that um, there's, no long, there's no type of broke that you can be that he can't fix. Um, he taught me how to talk. He rearranged the way I acted. Um, my family started attending church every Sunday, um, which led me into meeting Pastor Ronnie. Um, Uh, which led to me leading men's small groups and other groups, Um, being ordained as a deacon, something I never thought would happen, Um, even preaching a couple times. That's pretty scary. Amen. Yeah. Uh, My wife is is, uh, with me every Sunday now. Um, She also attends small groups as well. Um, She is involved in multiple activities uh, to do with the church, and my favorite thing I think she's done so far, she uh, was a VBS teacher, and she's given a tough class. 
but uh, being with my wife is a big deal. So um, my daughter Harlow has been involved in multiple activities in the church, including dancing during special services. And occasionally she's going to be up here singing with the worship team. Um, and this isn't boasting. I'm not. This is what transformation looks like. Um, <clears throat> my life has, was heading in one direction, and now it's heading in an opposite opposite direction. God restored us. We aren't perfect. Um, we aren't better than any other person or any other family. We're just trying to live a life for Christ to the best of our ability. And I'll end it with this. Um, in the Matthew, it says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. Amen. Perfect. Josh has seen that Bible verse come alive in his life. Things that he was pursuing in his own energy, God delivered supernaturally. All right, Ron, if you'll come on, make your way up here. This is Rhonda Garland. Hi. It's a little tougher up here to talk to you guys than it is down there. I'm going to say that. Um, so we all have a story, right? I've learned that over um, the course of the last two and a half years. Um, and it's what we do with the story as adults that make us who we are, right? And we develop this, I don't know, being whether it be true or false. I was living not in the truth for a long time, but um, I was the youngest of six children. Um, I think all my family had already done everything that could have surprised my parents. Like, so I, I, I don't know. They didn't react to me much. And um, I felt like I had a sense of not belonging but then again, needing to measure up also. Um, I built my life around trying to please people, um, keeping peace in my family, whatever that looked like. Um, my dad was my favorite person in my entire world, still to this day. Um, and he's been with Jesus for like 13 years. So I still love him so much. Um, he was good to me, but he avoided confrontation with my mom. So he allowed my mom to run the house, basically, right? We kind of learned that the man should be in control, but my dad, to avoid confrontation, allowed my mom to um, do what he should have been doing, I feel. Um, there was always the knowledge of God, and due to my mom's perseverance, really, what my dad would have called nagging, my dad had a miraculous change um, and met God when I was 12 years old. Um, and total 360 laid everything down and, and 
Satan was, I felt destroyed that day by my dad. I mean, he just stomped on him and it it was, it was over. It was over. It was great. Um, I learned quickly, um, to stuff all the feelings that I had inside, um, to the point really that I would just forget. And I think that it was, um, easier that way. Um, I don't think my mom ever really healed from the events of her childhood, and therefore I don't think she was able to help me recover from anything. Um, prior to counseling, I would have talked about her very differently. Ronnie and I talked about her very differently than what I'm talking about her right now. Um, fast forward. I spent many years stuffing my feelings and um, keeping the peace, and it didn't benefit me well. Um, I made a lot of decisions in my life that had dire consequences. We'll just leave it at that. Um, Fast forward to a couple years ago when I walked in here, and there weren't near as many people as there are now. Um, (laughs) I got a new boss at the age of 50 years old. I was 50 years old. This kid was young enough to be my kid. Um, We didn't know that God would use this man. I did not know that God would use this man, neither did he, to completely change my life. Um, He came in one day um, telling me all about my job going to be changing, and um, I just felt this rumble. I could just feel this rumble just keep going and go. I'm like, I am going to explode. And I did all over this man, like vomit, like my entire life came out in anger on this man. Um, I remember just freaking out, calling Carrie. I think it was Carrie. I don't even remember. That day is very blurry to me. Um, But she and Ronnie acted very quickly took me through some very practical steps on how to change my, change my thought pattern, really. I was stuck in that lie. I had lived it all those years, and it just welled up in me until this poor kid, which is now my friend, <laughs> which is now my friend, it, it was a divine day. God used him. God used Ronnie, he's Carrie from the very beginning, you know, even to get me in the door. Um, Going through all of the, you know, I should probably be going by my notes, right? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that's crazy. This kid, anyway, it it was nuts, and... What I can say at this point, um, Ronnie would ask me questions that I couldn't answer. I could not answer them because my mind was just, I don't know, forgetful, whatever. All I did was cry for the first couple of times that I met with them. And at this point, I think um, I look at it as confessing all of my garbage. These two people know more about me than anybody on the face of this earth. But I think you need those people. 
You have to have those people to be able to tell your stuff to, to be able to heal from it. If you keep it in, it'll always stay in, and you will end up exploding like I did on various people um, in my life, including my husband. Like, I'm going to end with this. I never knew how close I was to losing him until the day after, you know, we went through the six weeks sitting on the front porch, hanging out, talking about feelings and how to change your thoughts. And my husband actually thanked him at dinner. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, what? I didn't realize I was that close to losing my, to losing my husband over the way that I was acting. So a freedom from all of that. I mean, confess your sins, find people that love you, put yourself out there to be found, to be for one, you know. Um, I love you. So the only thing Rhonda left out there was uh, the first time we sat down on the front porch I told her, I said, if you'll, if you'll buy in, I said, uh, your husband will get a new wife. And sure enough, that was uh, what he said when we sat down for lunch the first time. He's like, stopped the whole conversation. He goes, I just got to tell you, thank you, because I have a new wife. Right. Gary Phipps, one of our other deacons. Yeah, amen, Steve. Gary is one of our deacons. We have four uh, deacons here. You see Josh Cross just about every uh, Sunday. Uh, Josh Tellison closes down. Uh, you see Romy if you come in, uh, depending on what entrance you come in. And then Gary, you probably don't see a lot unless you go back and eat donuts. Because um, he, he's the donut man. He picks them up. And so, uh, Gary, would you share with us? I mean, you've been here longer than I have. Um, What have you seen? I don't really want to get too involved about where I came from and all, but I, your, uh, the passage you came about, what men are today, lovers of self and all this stuff. I'm all that. I, I've been a terrible human being. And, uh, but you asked me about fitting in. Yeah. And, um, I'll leave out all the background. But when I moved here almost 40 years ago, I thought, great, I'll start all over. And um, so I just went to work and I came home and I did what I wanted to do. Eventually leaving some of the bad stuff behind. Um, but you cannot live alone. You cannot live alone. Uh, I ended up with like mental health issues and stuff that uh, finally I had to go to counseling and I did that and uh, on and off over the years and it helped a lot. But uh, nothing has helped me like Jesus Christ has. And I did not, I was in church as a child, I've been in and out over the years, nothing has helped me to understand until I came to this church 
but I got committed to it. And not to the to Jesus' church, not this church. Um, it wasn't until after I after you came and he stressed the small groups and some of the activities that we do here that I made myself do that. I didn't want to. I wouldn't fit in, you know, because I'm twice as old as almost anybody here. Uh, I never married. I'm not, I never did sports. I, I'm a wimpy old retired teacher. You know, I just, I don't hunt. Oh my gosh. Everybody here hunts for growing up. Well, um, so my point that I'm getting to is everybody's different. And if you think any of these things don't, these groups or anything won't pertain to you, they can. The church isn't the building. It truly is. It's these people. And as I made myself go to uh, Bible studies and go to men's groups and stuff, I found out that, oh my gosh, people are suffering. There are people in this building right now that are probably got a story as bad or worse than mine and don't want to tell it. And you don't have to tell it to us, but you got to tell it to Jesus. And I think he'll tell you, it's not just about coming on Sunday mornings. Uh, it is about reading the Bible. And it is about praying. But if you want to see growth, I didn't know Jesus Christ like we're all intended to, like people keep telling me to, until within this last year that I really got into going to the groups and reading the Bible. And it doesn't mean you guys are busy. Y'all are all working and stuff. You know, you got families and everything. I got plenty of time to do all this stuff. I don't, but what, I, what I'm getting at is honestly, just showing up on Sunday morning, I don't think is enough. You gotta be in the word and, and joining these groups will help you so much. And you do fit in and you will fit in. And uh, it's changed my life. I've still got a lot of things to be worked out. And, uh, but I don't worry about it as much as I used to, you know, and I'm not, if I can say this, I'm, we're all afraid of dying, I guess, but, I'm okay now. I know what's going to happen. I'm, I'm okay with all those things. And I didn't mean to talk this long, but um, I hope I've got it across that for your own sake and your families, you need to be involved. And that's one last thing I will say. You guys who are coming and bringing your families and leading your families, that is so important. When I was a child, we all went to church as a family. And I can remember saying grace at the table and my father praying over each one of us at night and uh, all that. And then my father got a job where he worked on Sundays and gradually none of it. We all quit going to church because we only had one car. We, um, there was no Bible reading. There was no grace at table. There was no, and I've thought a lot of times over the years, if that hadn't happened, if we'd all stayed, it would have changed everything. I know you love your families. If you care, get them in church and you lead them like you are doing. You lead them. Thank you, Gary. All right. Uh, next guy coming up, Matt Procise.
You're welcome. Okay, um, I'm not as good at this as Josh is. I don't uh, get up here every week, so I made me some notes. Um, being available, we started coming to this church last year. Um, my brother-in-law was having some tough times, and he reached out to us, and we didn't know who to reach out to. We weren't in a church at that time. Um, I told him, Josh Cross. I know Josh from being in the police department and everything. Um, so he reached out to Josh, and within minutes, Josh reached back to him and got Brandon involved in this church, uh, which entail got us involved. Brandon was up here singing, and he invited us. It was around Thanksgiving, uh, not last year, the year before, or not this year, last year. So we came, and we've been here ever since. Um, first, it was just me and my wife. Uh, then our kids got involved. Um, since then, my wife, uh, my daughter, my brother-in-law, Brandon, our other daughter, my son, and myself have all been baptized or rededicated ourselves at this church. So, and, and a lot of that's because we made ourselves available. Second um, Corinthians 8 11 through 12 says, Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable to what one has, not according to what one does not have. So we, I grew up in a modest family. My mom and dad always provided for us. We weren't rich by any means, but we always had what we needed because... My dad always made himself available to go do whatever needed to be done to take care of our family. And so that's what I have done for my family. Um, if Ronnie says something, hey, we need volunteers, I'm usually one of the first ones up here to say, hey, let's, let's get it done. Um, the first time coming to the church, was there were still pews here. The, the pink carpet was here, and uh, Ronnie says, hey, we're going to have a work group, or work, and we're going to start ripping these carpets out and taking the pews up. So we came that Sunday, and I think it was that Monday night. Right. I came back, helped JT and all these guys take these pews out, transform the sanctuary into what it is today, and it, it's amazing what everybody here has done. Um, but being available, you can't... You can't be selfish with your time. Ronnie always says your time, talents, and treasures. Um, I try to use my talents around here the best I can. Uh, like I said, I'm not a speaker. I don't get up here. I can't, can't do this. Um, I'm trying to learn how to play the bass guitar. Josh Cross gave me a bass guitar so I can try and learn it. Uh, maybe get up here with the worship team sometime. But um, as far as being available. Like JT said, um, I grew up and from my teenage years up until, well, I'm 37 now, um, I, I was kind of a craphead. Uh, and getting in this church and being available, making my time available to you guys has helped my family. Uh, my wife and I have grown closer. My kids are always asking, hey, what's going on at church? When are we going back to church? Um, 
and just being around everybody. Like Gary said, the small groups, I was never involved. I was a military firefighter police, so I was always around guys and anybody that knows the military or the fire department. Uh, not the best of environments sometimes. Um, you see some bad stuff and you got to kind of just roll with it. But getting involved in these men's groups has really helped. Um, so like Gary said, get involved with this, the groups. Um, just make your time available to Jesus. If you put Jesus first in the center of your life, it's going to help tremendously. Um, the last thing I have is Proverbs 16.3. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. So if you do it for him, you're doing the right thing. I give Sherry a hard time because she's got the smallest cell phone in here. I, I guarantee if you guys go compare cell phones, she's, she's like eight years ahead of us. Because, you know, they're getting smaller again. And she's eight years ahead. Well, good morning, y'all. So Matt kind of used my line, but it, it uh, is worth repeating. You know, Ronnie, if you've been here for any amount of time, Ronnie has said that we should give generously of our time, talent, and our treasures. And, um, and so I want, you know, I try really hard to do that, but I'm going to be honest with you. I never really understood what that really meant. I thought because I came up and sang a song, you know, but honestly, it's way more than that. So I just want to share a little. First, I want to give you a, um, a scripture. It's Proverbs eleven twenty five, and it says, The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. So I'm going to share a little story. I've always felt like, you know, I come to church. I give $20 here and there. I mean, this is how I thought for since I was 18 years old. I, I grew up in a church. I saw my family. I saw my dad give generously of his time, of his talent, and of his treasure. I saw him be blessed. But, you know, when you turn 18 years old and you want to get out of the house and you want to run, you know, I was, I was enjoying my life. And um, I came here just a few weeks after Ronnie and Carrie. And um, I was driving to the ATM to get my 20 bucks out to put in the offering. And I felt like I was doing a good thing, you know, $20. I, you know, I, I was a single mom, you know, sometimes money's tight. And I was like, you know, that $20, I might need to buy a shirt. But as I was driving up to the ATM, God spoke to me. And he said, make it 100 and I will bless you. But being who I am, I argued with him. I said, I tell you what, <laughs> I really can't afford that. I really can't, I can't afford $100. I'm going to get $20 out, and I'm going to put $20 in that offering plate today. 
And as we inched up a little bit further to the ATM, I heard God speak to me again, and he said, give $100, and I will bless you. Okay, God, how about this? No one else has ever done that. No. How about if I give 40? That's double what I normally give, okay? God, I'm going to give $40 today. I got up to the ATM, and one more time, third time, God says to me, if you give 100, I will bless you. So I didn't even think at that point. I just put my card in. I took $100 out, and I'm like, okay, God, I give up. So I went to church. I gave my $100, and within two weeks, the, um, my boss's boss came into the office with a bonus that is normally intended for my boss. But because my boss had not been at work and I had been covering the office and doing the work for her, she came to me and gave me the bonus. It was 10 times what I gave. So, And you know, it, and it's not even about the money, honestly. It really isn't about the money, but I'm just going to tell you something. I say this a lot. Um, someone once told me, you know, someone, someone asked somebody one time, a, a, an older lady that is on a fixed income said, you know, how can you afford to give money to the church? You're on a limited income every month. And her answer stuck with me. She said, I can't afford not to. And I'm just going to tell you, you know, I'm not, I'm not asking everybody to just, you know, pour out everything you've got, but just have some faith. Be obedient to God. Don't argue with him like me. Be obedient, and he is going to bless you. He is going to give you things that you are not even aware that you're going to receive. And I just wanted to share that story with you because it was a great blessing at that time in my life. And I am very thankful and grateful, and I, en I enjoy being able to give of my time and give of my talent and give of my treasure to this church because it is such a wonderful church that I'm attending here. The, the people are awesome, and um, there is love in this church. The Spirit of God is in this church. This is the church you want to be in if you want to build a relationship with your God. So, thank you for listening. I was worried. I thought she was going to tell you, beware of a pastor bearing gifts. Because <laughs> Carrie and I showed up at her house one day with a strawberry sundae, and we walked out with a treasure for the church. And, and so, anyways, I am not above bribery. I will tell you that right now. <laughs> And I'm glad that she said yes and has been a blessing to our church. Um, all right, Hurricane Molly, let me clear the stage. Please sit down. I'll, I'll tell you what, I was going to. <laughs> good morning. God is so good. So I'm going to... I'm going to try to stick to what I wrote. Okay. Um, the verse that Pastor Ronnie went over this morning in 2 Timothy. Whew. 
before Jesus. I was a terrible wife. I was a horrible mother. I was an even worse daughter. Um, I was the victim of all victims. I was taking handfuls of pills daily from antidepressants um, to too many bipolar meds to count, from Adderall to Xanax to pain pills. I would pacify. I would pacify my addiction with more addiction. So what do you need when you're all hopped up on a bunch of pills? You need something to do. So I would go blow all my family's money. I would gamble, smoke. There was nothing. I was searching and searching and searching, and nothing satisfied me. Um, I was angry, emotionally abusive to my family, to people who loved me. I convinced myself that because I was a victim of sexual abuse, that all of my behaviors were justified. It didn't matter that I was angry. It didn't, I, I deserved it. I was entitled to it. Um, I ruined my marriage several times over. Uh, my husband had every right to leave me. I yelled at my children on a regular basis, isolated myself from everyone and everything. I was completely out of control. And the people in my family, a few of them knew it, but nobody really knew how far gone I was. Um, I remember the night that my life changed. I was sitting in our bed, and I won't go into the details of the prayer, but I just said, God, I need you. I, I cried out and I said, God, I need you. And if you're there, take it. Take everything from me. I can't handle it anymore. I fell asleep one way and I woke up completely changed. I woke up and I didn't take another pill and I didn't smoke another cigarette and I didn't take another drink and I didn't touch another machine. I confessed my sins, every one of them, to my husband. And by the grace of God, he loves me through it. And he's still with me today. Praise God. My children, oh, God love them. They grew up with a mother who loved the world. They grew up with a mother. The Almighty God was not my master. I was serving the enemy. And that's a hard pill to swallow whether you want to believe it or not, I dedicated my life to the enemy. And the moment that I surrendered and committed my life to God, everything changed. In April, my entire family, including my husband, was baptized. Um, my nieces and nephews, my sisters, my cousins, my entire family has been touched and impacted by the love of Christ. It's not through me. I'm so undeserving. Um, 
but he is all that was, he is all that is, and he is all that will be. There is nothing that he cannot take from you. And if he doesn't take it, he will give you the peace that you need to make it through. A lot of you don't know that not even a year ago, we were homeless. Um, God gave me the peace and my family the peace that we needed to make it through. There's not a day that I fear. There's not anything that can be taken from me because with Jesus Christ, I have everything. You all do. Um, he then set into a motion of events that are so incredible that brought me to this place. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, this is my family. Um, and I'm going to go into those details tonight. Um, <laughs> but like Gary said, it, is, it has nothing to do with this building. This building is nothing. This world is nothing. Nothing matters. It doesn't matter that your water bill is due tomorrow. It doesn't matter that you're making $100,000 a year. It doesn't matter if you're wearing clothes with holes in them. It doesn't matter. All that matters is that you have that relationship with Christ. That is it. That is why God gave him to us. He is all that we need. Once you abandon and surrender, you will fear everything else. He will take care of everything else. Um, all right now. Okay. And that, that's, Amen. yeah. All right. Okay. Thanks guys. <laughs> Worship team, come on up here and join Molly. I didn't mess that worship up, did I, Pastor Lee? I don't know what story you needed to hear this morning, but I'm convinced that one of those stories you needed to hear. And here's what I want you to know is that that same story, God can live out in your life. Amen. The difference is in those that lived out the work of Christ in their life. Every one of them, and I've never had this conversation, but I, but I know enough that every one of them at one point in their life felt like they weren't worthy. They weren't worthy to be in church. They weren't worthy to be loved by God. They weren't worthy. And yet, today, every one of them are living a life where they are thriving in Christ. See, that's what this Back to Basics series is all about. Not just going through life and surviving. Uh, and you've done that long enough. Some of you are 50 years old, and all you've done is survive. God has a plan for you, for your life to thrive, for, for your life to impact more lives than you've ever understood possible. But what has to happen is we have to surrender. We have to raise a white flag. We have to have some faith. The faith that got us saved is, was good, but now we need to have faith to live for Christ. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? I'm going to close us in prayer. The, 
uh, worship team is going to lead us in our theme song for Back to the Basics, and then Josh is going to come up and close down the service. Here's what I want you to know. We have a community that needs us. They need a church that believes in God. So much so that we'll actually live it out. God in heaven, Lord, we just love you and we praise you. And I thank you for the testimonies that we've heard this morning. I thank you for the testimonies that will be uh, released tonight. The worship that we're going to experience. And God, I just ask that you would hear our cries, our praise. We love you, Lord. Use us to transform the greater Centralia area. In the name of Jesus, amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. You see, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.